Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 140 of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am the host of the show, Perry, and with me, as always, is the co-host, Swan. Swan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. We are rolling right through uh, after our, our Patreon pregame chats as we sip on some Russell's 10-year, the 90-proof edition. This is a 2020 bottle. It's stupid good. Yeah, they're <laughs> always solid. Yeah. Absolutely. And this one in particular, I, I, I don't know what it is, but there there is some really, really good stuff going on here. I mean, they, they upped their game with a small batch. They did. Like. They so. did. They're putting out a lot of other good products. I think they just wanted to stand up. Yeah, absolutely. So there is no Flying Blind this week, uh, as we normally do. Really, we're not even going to do the news. We're going to kind of do a, a bit of a trimmed down episode because I don't want to take too much time away from what everybody's here for. The main event, the main attraction, the interview with Jack Maxwell of Booze Traveler. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. Uh, but before we do, a couple of housekeeping things. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do that. You can do that right in app. Of course, if you could leave us a five-star rating and review, that would be a great way to help the show out. Really bumps us up in the algorithm, shows up in the searches, all this, that, and the other. You always hear it when you listen to podcasts. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just kind of a given that they're going to ask you to, to do something like that. But truly, it does help us. Uh, every time that I ask, I feel like we we see a little bit of a return on it, and you know, I'll go in and search, and sure enough, it's popped up a little bit uh, a little bit higher than it, it had been say the week prior so yeah uh we really do appreciate everybody who who does go in and and do that you know what else i appreciate swan is finding out what you have been drinking recently <gasps> everything <laughs> i've been on a vacation man just relaxing yeah you've been chilling looking at the clock thinking it's 12 o'clock sleep enough in the day <laughs> pour me a little this a little that um i've been having uh, a ton of fighting cock h dated nice yeah, that, and then uh, saw where Elijah, or what was it? Um, E.H. Taylor? E.H. Taylor won some stuff. So I've actually been um, I've been sipping on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, man. We're, I'm going to steal a bit of a, a sample of that one from you, the E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof from, what is that, 2018? 2017. 2017. I believe Dang. so, yeah. Year we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming up on three years, by the way. That's crazy. Oh yeah, uh, 150th episode gonna be hitting before we know it. That I hope the the 150th isn't a banked episode. <laughs> we'll just make it nuts. Yeah, for for those of you who uh, might be new to the show, my wife is uh, approaching the 40 week mark of her pregnancy. So we are. Uh... Oh, by the way, thank you to everybody who is uh, listening to the show for the first time. Maybe it's uh, because you wanted to hear this interview with Jack. And uh, we appreciate everybody who's here. But uh, we're, we're going to be banking a bunch of episodes. I'm trying to maintain the energy for them. <laughs> so that, and, and I feel like at some point I'm just going to be like, welcome to the podcast. But, you know, I got I to gotta stay strong. It's gotta got to stay professional. Got to. Yeah. I have been revisiting. Uh, and, and this goes with a kind of with a, a banked episode that we're going to be touching on. Uh, recording later oh, on, actually. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the old Ezra seven-year barrel-proof. Um, when I first opened this, after I got it last weekend, not the one we just came off of, but the one before, I was like, I don't know about this. But it's really opened up a lot. Uh, and it's not. it definitely wasn't what I remembered it being back when, uh, when I first had it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's definitely still of high quality. See, to me, it always tastes like diet 
like Dr. Pepper and Cherry <laughs> Cola. Well, that's what we said when we first reviewed it. Yeah. That it was just straight Cherry Cola. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's for sure opened up. And I, I, I don't know what it was about those first few sips or that first bottle. Um, but sometimes the neck pour is just not a good way to judge the yeah. bottle. But even even after I, you know, let it sit for a month and went back and revisited it, then it, it still had its cherry cola note to it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Things change. Bottles change. We change. We change. Clothes. I change clothes every day. I change clothes most days. <laughs> you just rolling through? Yeah. <laughs> I have so many just black t-shirts with nothing on them. I'm like Simon Cowell. <laughs> I think I pick a new one, but did I? You mean you look like the baby from Ice Age? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's been blowing my mind recently. Mm-hmm. It's really hurting my brain looking yeah. at that picture. <laughs> did you hear what happened to him? No. He was supposed to be on, uh, I think it was America's Got Talent, and he broke his back falling off a bike. And you're like, oh, well, he's going to be out for the whole season. He's like, no, give me two days. <laughs> what? <laughs> he's going right back on. He's got someone Holy filling crap. him for a couple days. That's incredible. It's nuts. Go Simon Cow. Man, that's pretty impressive. Well, speaking of TV shows, I don't want to spend too much time uh, away from what the, the main attraction of this episode is. And, of course, that is the, the interview with Jack Maxwell oh, that yes. I got to record last week. Jack, I, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you so much, buddy, for coming on and, and chatting with me. I feel like I've, I made a genuine new friend after after recording with him. That whole interview just gives you the the vibe that like he's just best friends with everybody. It totally does. It's great. It totally does. Like yeah. I want him at parties just so everyone else can shut up and listen to him. <laughs> like that. He's also got maybe the best accent in the biz. Yes. So look at me using using industry terms. Biz. Who am I? I have one TV show host on the show, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about. He did. When we got over here, he had the little call card with the black <laughs> checkered thing, and he's like, all right, Swan, shut up. Click. And then we started. Speed. Oh, man. Marker. Yep. <laughs> We're going live in three, two. I just man. pointed at Swan. <laughs> so, yeah, Swan's heard the interview. Uh, he, he, I, I wanted you to kind of listen to it before we aired it for, for everybody, too. Yeah. He, he is just one, seriously, of the most genuine people that uh, I, I feel like I've, I've ever been able to, to meet. Um, what's funny is that he is actually uh, been to Lexington. He filmed a show in, uh, with, with some folks at a company in Lexington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I can't remember if we talked about it in the interview or not. I, I don't think so. I don't think we it, did It might have got brought up briefly. Yeah. You know, I, the whole time I listened to this, I just I feel like their personalities would mesh well. I would really like for him to do something on uh, meeting with master blenders instead of distillers. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. Could you imagine him and Dixon doing a series? Oh. I feel like there's two people that in like on this planet that could just have the same energy back to back to back and it's them like they they exude the same energy but one is southern charm as one is like as east coast as it gets i mean it's <laughs> it's amazing well if you guys have never ever heard jack before or seen any of his show uh pause the, pause the show go listen to listen to him talk watch another an, an episode of booze traveler something like that because mm-hmm. it, it, it really is such a fun watch it's been one of my favorite shows for a while lucy introduced it to me and i was hooked he's just i i, I don't want to 
I think we're just going to have to throw it to the interview. So everybody enjoy. We'll be back at the end for tips and bits and to wrap things up. It is an absolute pleasure and an honor to be able to welcome this guest onto the show. You know him as a TV host, personality, an actor, a sometimes guitar player on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, now a, a cancer fighter. Please welcome to the show Jack Maxwell of Booze Traveler. Jack, thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me, Perry. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. So I, I had the the good fortune to to get in contact with you initially back in March as coronavirus was was hitting. And um, I, I followed up with you uh, last week. It was a very quick turnaround <laughs> for getting this, this interview together, getting the episode together. Uh, but I, I was able to send you samples too, sent you a couple of extra little goodies. Yes, thank uh, you. Little, absolutely, you're so welcome. Uh, we, we We try to be hospitable as much as we can. Speaking of goodies, I love that salsa. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm glad you love it. That's a that's a local that's a local one here. That's uh, nice. I like it. (laughs) Little bit of a kick, little sweet. Absolutely, stuff. And and Lucy said, why don't you get him the uh, there's the sweet hot, and then there's the sweet hotter. She was like, get him the sweet hotter. He'll like he'll like a little bit extra kick to it. Sweet hotter it is. That that's my jam. I like I like it when it's hot. You know, (laughs) absolutely. What I do to I hear here. I got this this weird haircut. That's uh, how it is when you just get your haircut. <laughs> that's how. How long did you go without a haircut before uh, or, or during initial lockdown? Yeah, that's the thing. Maybe it just looks funny to me because it's been a long time. I was in quarantine <laughs> as we all were, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I, sh- I should have just wore a hat. Uh, <laughs> it just looks funny to me. I, anyway, I, <laughs> I think your hair looks great, man. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you well, are- Talk about that. We're here to talk about bourbon. What let's do you got? What, what, what should we pour first? So let's let's start with the uh, the unnamed moonshine, uh, unnamed source moonshine uh, that that I sent your way. Um, Hundred proof uh, is sent sent by a we'll say a local producer. I don't want to get too too specific. I don't don't want to get anybody in trouble. But um, I'm excited for you to try this. This was a it, it's. He's excited about it. Salute. You're going to have it with me? Salute indeed, sir. You have it with me? Yes, sir. Okay. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) I still got half a shot left. I want to taste it first, but I'll finish it. That's okay. I'll finish it. There you go. (laughs) I jumped a little ahead. I apologize. Ooh. it's it, it's it's hot it's sweet i mean it, it's it's got a really nice balance for a you know what could a, it, it eventually become a bourbon is that is that a corn moonshine then it is yes sir yeah i figured if it's going to be a bourbon it's probably a corn moonshine right absolutely absolutely um but that's that has some kick to it it reminds me of the episode we shot in tennessee there was this mm-hmm. guy the long beard down there. His name was Gomer. That was really his name. <laughs> he took me to the uh, into the woods where the still was, and how uh-huh. it, it blew up on on his uncle and killed him. Or uh, uh, and, I, rem- and shot I remember that episode. Guy's eye or something like that. <laughs> that reminds, they had some. They had some fire water corn moonshine too. That stuff's pretty strong. Wow. I remember. I remember that episode. Now it took it took the uh, the being shot in the face 
and, and the explosion to remind me. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> we're gonna well, I'm gonna seal that one back up for a minute. <laughs> it'll ruin. It'll send your nose hairs. You won't be able to smell anything else. No, it was good. You know, I, I, I was blessed enough to uh, try a lot of strong drinks around the world. You know, I tried a thing called Zalgiris in Lithuania. Okay, that's anywhere between seventy and ninety percent, not proof, <laughs> percent alcohol. Ooh. <laughs> probably the strongest I've ever tried that that's really a drink the yeah, way it absolutely. is you know it's got all this tree root and herbs and everything else in there yeah. um but it was uh, you can't even take it on the plane it's so flammable yeah so. that's the 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 hazmat edition of uh <laughs> of our, our yeah. spirits so this 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 is like a vanilla shake compared to that stuff <laughs> It's only 50% alcohol, right? 100 proof? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that what you said? <laughs> That's what I said. Yes, sir. So, so whoever makes whoever makes that for you, good job. <laughs> we won't name names. We no, cannot no. name names here. Okay. So so I want to I I of course get our our first our first rather bourbon poured here. Um this is an Elijah Craig single barrel pick. Um yes, sir, that one. And uh that was that was a a pick that I was fortunate enough to go on uh, with a, a group of guys from North Carolina. Uh, it was the very last barrel pick I went on before lockdown happened, before everything got shut down. Um, got a couple of bottles from it. I know that they were uh, they would have been interested to hear what you had to say about it too. So I, I sent a, a sample of that your way. Oh, um, Elijah Craig doesn't care what I... <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm no bourbon expert for sure. sure but was it wasn't he the first one to uh, to to age his bourbon in charred barrels or one exactly. of the first? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You, you you don't sell your short yourself short there, Jack. You, uh, I, I, I'm more drinker than historian, but I appreciate the history. <laughs> All right. How much how much should we do here, my friend? Oh, I I did maybe an ounce or so. So yeah, about that about that much yeah now now that i think of it i'll put it in the clear one like i <laughs> like i should have with the moonshine so people don't think i'm cheating i didn't think you were cheating uh, i think you know me better than that hmm <laughs> ah boy got- there's <laughs> something about you know even barrel aged whiskey or, or or bourbon or Rye, any any of the variations thereof. There's just something so Americana about it. I know whiskey, of course. Ireland is known for whiskey, and and Scotland for scotch, but bourbon is pure Americana. Absolutely, I, just, I love the story behind it. You know how Washington, President Washington, <laughs> uh, for the first time in this young country's history turned federal troops against its own citizens uh and the 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 taxmen the collectors came to get the money and the makers of the alcohol said no way and they (laughs) they went south until they found some good limestone could make some good uh good whiskey and they stopped in kentucky and tennessee i believe but um it's just a great story oh absolutely and 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 one of the first off yes cheers here's to it here's to american yes sir American ingenuity. Oh, you know, that has such a, you know, the the, the rye you sent me, I know we were talking mm-hmm. uh, before we started about that. Yeah, a yeah. friend of mine and I 
polished it off. And I, I thought it was a little extra spicy. And you you confirmed that. I did. Uh, yeah, this, it was. This ahead. has a nice, soft spiciness to it. It does. It's, yeah. It's, it's rounded. It's a little, uh, it's rich. It's nice and warm. It's it's not as, but it's, oh, good stuff. Uh, Elijah, Elijah Craig has always kind of been what I would say bourbon should taste like. I think it's just got that really characteristic of course the the vanilla caramel and oak to it but then it gets layered with the spices without being overpowering it, it's it's really an inviting bourbon and i think it's one of those that kind of you know if you start with your jim beams even if you start with your jack daniels it's a good stepping stone up towards you know once you once you kind of dip your toes into the the field and once you start to even experience and experiment with the the higher proof products as well, which we'll we'll get to. I sent you a, an awfully high proof one <laughs> in there too. I, I'm ready to go. I roll up my sleeves, <laughs> roll up my sleeves, and we'll do it. But no, I, I like I like this Elijah Craig. This is nice. Yeah. And, uh, it's uh, I don't know if maybe the moonshine burned my mouth off a little bit, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, I. It's it's, it's kind of oaky. It is absolutely yeah. And, and if I remember correctly, this was a, I think it was a nine year barrel um, that had been sitting in Bardstown, Kentucky, and uh, it, it's it's a solid pick. We, we deliberated on it for for a while, but once it got down to it, and we talked about what would be the crowd pleaser once it got dropped down to the ninety four from the. Uh, from the whatever it was, like 125, 130 proof out of the barrel, uh, we all just were like, "This is it. People are going to flock to this." So I'm happy you enjoy it. That's we'll we'll pass our uh, our the, your, your thoughts along to them as well, and oh, hopefully please, listen to the episode. Please, please do. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're they're the experts. I'm just a mere enjoyer of <laughs> their wonderful craftsmanship. So you, of course, and and I, I definitely want to spend a good chunk of time talking about this we'll come and go in and out of it uh, I'm, I'm sure but uh sure. booze traveler man booze traveler has a been one of mine and lucy's uh go-to shows favorite shows for for a, a long time now and you you did four seasons of it 60 episodes Thank like you. you said you got to travel all the way around the world um meet incredible people drink incredible spirits and 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 just craft alcohol and how did that for first off for people who might not know you i would say talk a little bit about your experience um leading up to that what kind of got you uh, into that world uh, and and what was your experience with booze traveler as well and and how incredible was it to get to go and see the world through the eyes of of beer goggles <laughs> easily the most amazing four years of my life you know um like you say, we did 60, 60, 63 episodes of Booze Travel and mm -hmm. 10 of a show called Best Bars, right. which was yeah, all domestic. Yeah. But yeah. Booze Travel was mostly international. We did some domestic. So for me, to be able to travel, to see the world, to go to somewhere between 50 and 60 countries, uh, six continents, and uh, to, to just it was always about the people and the experiences. When I came back, people would say, oh, Tell me about the Eiffel Tower or the London Dungeon or, or the wherever you went, the, the Gobi Desert. Tell right. me about all these wonderful – and it was always about the people. I said, well, at the Eiffel Tower, I met this couple. <laughs> or in the Gobi Desert, I, I hung with this 
family, these these nomads, these uh, yeah. Mongolian nomads that just pick up and move. And it was it was just always that. So the drinks really just got us into the scene. I, I was never a drink expert. I've pulled a few corks in my day. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I grew up shining shoes in South Boston, which probably had more bars per capita on, <laughs> on Broadway than any place I've ever been for sure. So I always knew what alcohol was and what it did to people. It had this magical socializing effect, as we say. Sure. Uh, but it was fascinating to me, the, the commonalities we have, because it's easy to say, oh, sure, you have differences. You're in Japan with sumo wrestlers. They barely speak English. They get treated like deities, like gods. They're the superstars there. And they're down earth and they have a sense of humor. But you see how they get sometimes possessive or, or competitive with each other. And, and the, a, lot, a lot of the characteristics that I see here with some friends or athletes. And things sure. like that, it's, what I'm trying to say is it's easy to say, of course, we have differences. But it was just so wonderful to see all the commonalities we had. You know, we all love to uh, laugh and enjoy each other's company. Absolutely. And we like to make other people laugh. Wherever I went, it was always an honor uh, they felt when they got me to laugh about something. And I'm an easy <laughs> audience. I laugh at anything. Sure. But it was so fun to be able to have that, even when they didn't speak English as a first language or English at all sometimes. Sure. It was all through translation. And uh, it was just a wonderful, joyous experience. And so it was... Yes, about what people drank, why they drank it, and then listening to the stories they tell when they do, of course. But it was really about them and their culture and how alcohol played a small but significant part in it. I think that's a lot of what we in the, in the bourbon community, too, in the whiskey community here in the States, really kind of have latched on to. And, and I... I don't know how familiar you are with the the bourbon scene um, across the the states, but we we all are just there for each other. I mean, it's it's just this huge community of people who want to to support each other and they want to share. Say, you know, you've got a bottle that you you've been searching for forever, and you just kind of throw out a. Oh, I'd love I'd love to get a sample of this. Or does anybody have something that that I can try from this? And you know, you'll have responses from fifty different people from fifty different states responding to you and and saying, "Well, I'll send I'll send you this. I'd be happy to send oh, nice. this to you." And and you know, then the, those little relationships start and they become big relationships. And then you start, <laughs> you know, having people coming over to your house and spending the weekend with you, you, you wind up going on big trips with them and going to distilleries and, and just really becoming a part of each other's lives. And, and the fact that it all came from bourbon is so cool. And, and it's, you're right. It is a, a, a tribute to that kind of American spirit. You know, you know? We, we have such a fear sometimes of, of the other that we might mm. be, either different or thought of as different, which is why a lot of us like to join clubs or make up clubs or fraternities, tribes. And it's so nice when you find your tribe, whether yes. it's a bunch of stamp collectors or a, a, a card playing group playing bridge or bourbon lovers or athletes. 
uh, Facebook group. I just think we have a natural inclination to to bond together with people yeah. that we have uh, things in common with. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. The problem for me is when we say, okay, we got this. Those guys are wrong. <laughs> Those yeah, guys absolutely. are bad. And, and it's so divisive, especially now with politics and everything else. Yeah, of course. And I, I, I don't know what's going to solve that. Maybe, um, you know, by the, by the, the, the turn of the, uh, the next year, 2021, maybe, maybe sure. we'll come together, hopefully. But, but, but the idea nice? is around the world, people want to welcome you. They want to have a drink with you. It's this idea that if you sit down with someone, they offer you a drink or, or you accept having a drink with them. It's, it's more than a handshake. It's this big liquid hug Absolutely. that says, okay, we're cool. We're in this group. I offered <laughs> to sit down with you and have a drink. You poured me a drink. Let's have yeah. a good time. Let's, yeah. let's exchange stories or what we love about life or what we don't. Or just, it's just such a wonderfully social thing to do. And, and around the world, it's not about getting shit-faced or fall down drunk. Or, yeah, of course. It, it, it's more celebratory and, and more social than I think um, we like to give it credit for. You know, I, I've seen binge drinking, of course, around the world, especially mm -hmm. here in the States, college frats and everything yeah. else. But, uh, but for, for the most part, it's really a thing to be celebrated or to use for celebration. And, and that's something that we, we also have to be very aware of, too. What is our relationship with alcohol like? You know, and, and and I think that it's easy to say, well, this is my hobby or this is what I'm, you know, in, investing my time and my money and, and my relationships in and everything. But, you know, you, you do have to kind of step back a little bit and, and say, is this healthy for me? Am, am I am I doing the right thing with it? So I, I totally understand where you're uh, where, where you're kind of coming from with that. What What did you kind of learn about yourself with booze traveler in, in regards to your relationship with alcohol? Well, I, I think that I, I didn't understand how much joy I would have during the adventure, the exploration. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems like, and sometimes was, a dream job. Sure. Wait a minute, you get to go around the world and have drinks and meet people and, you know, it's, it's your job? That's yeah. pretty cool. But the thing that surprised me is, you know, it's it's also work. We shoot 16-hour oh, days, six days a week. There's a lot of travel and waiting in airports and, and driving for 8, 10, 12 hours a day to get to the next location or all of that. And sometimes it's exhausting. But only momentarily. Because I enjoyed the experience, honestly enjoyed it. Sure. I so look forward to the next place. I was in, in a location long enough to really enjoy the people, the place, to get, to get a hold of it. Usually it took anywhere from 10 days to two weeks, at least the last couple of years, to shoot an episode. So you really got a feel for the people, you yeah. know, the, 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 the land, the, uh, the weather, uh, the food, the drink, all of it. Yeah. What they what they found exciting, uh, you know what what they what they found mundane or pedestrian. It's just funny. You get to know someone sure. 
Sure. It's more than just one meeting, you know? Yeah. Even the second time you sit with them, the next day, if you hang around with them, they open up a little more, they're a little more comfortable. But then we go, and I just found myself, the anticipation, almost like a kid at Christmas, to the next location, <laughs> which was so different. I mean, we went from Scotland to ha- Hawaii. <laughs> <And> just, <laughs> we were freezing cold in Scotland. We went to a place called Shetland, where they have Shetland ponies. Right, right, yeah. And they're short and furry because the winds on Shetland, a 100 miles an hour, constantly almost. Yeah. And it's so cold and miserable there, even when it's nice. And I love the people, but I, I couldn't take the weather. Right from there to Maui, it was great. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, you'd go from Armenia uh, to, to South America or, or Iceland, uh, I guess... Season one was Turkey, Iceland, Spain, Austria, Peru, Mongolia, Japan, uh, Nepal, Lithuania, Armenia, the Netherlands, South Africa, Belize, and a couple of domestic episodes. (laughs) And I might be leaving leaving something out. But what a jump, right? Turkey, Austria, Spain, Peru, Mongolia, Japan, Nepal. I mean... That's that's quite a bit. And you have to make adjustments because for one culture, it's okay to do this. But the other one, no, that's a that's Absolutely. a full paw. Yeah. And like we went to Peru and uh, they they in, in one room they they had it was blocked off with with bricks uh, about maybe a foot high. And they were raising guinea pigs or as they call cooey. And I really did, didn't know going in. I think it's in the episode. Yeah. That was a wild episode. That's when I had frog in a blender <laughs> and spit beer too. But I go in the guy's room. It's like a guest room, but it's just blocked off with bricks. So you have to step over the row of bricks. Sure. And he's all these guinea pigs. And and I said, well, what are those for? He says, dinner. <laughs> <laughs> he, he picks one up. And he says, I do like this, but he doesn't do it. He just motions Sure. that he just pulled the head and snapped the neck. Right. And I didn't want to see him do that. I know it has to oh, be I don't done blame you. in order for them to, to have the meal. But when the thing came out of the oven, I mean, he puts it in whole and it's like this. Oh. <laughs> and it has fur on it and nails and teeth. So they have to scrape it off. Then they slice the stomach and put uh, uh, rosemary in there. And yeah. you that with the potatoes and even things like that that might be different or even shocking to us here who don't generally do absolutely them. it was such a joy to experience their culture now if i went to a peruvian restaurant that's not the first thing i would order but it would remind <laughs> me of wonderful time of this this of great warm friendly family who couldn't wait to share their culture and their drinks with me What's so interesting to me, too, is uh, having experiences that when when you sit in that moment and you just kind of go, whoa, like this is a this is a memory being made right now. And I I know that feeling of coming off of that and and coming back home and, and going. What's next? That interim between seasons, were you feeling that once once season four was over too? Were you going, well, what's what's next? I know that, like you were saying, season four took a little bit longer for you to film, and we'll we'll touch on that, of course, uh, here in a bit. But 
were were you looking forward to the the next big thing, the next experience, the memories that were going to be made, or were you where what was your level of contentness on the opposite side of that? Yeah, it was still really exciting, uh, although I had a lot going on. Between season three and season four, there wasn't much of a break because that's when I filmed the other show, Booze right. Traveler, Best Bars. Mm-hmm. And so kind of we rolled right into season four. So at the end of season four, I was ready for a break. But it just so happens during the hiatus, I had to go into chemo yes. because I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, it was during the chemo process that Travel Channel uh, went in a different direction with their formatting, they went a little more uh, ghosty, a little more paranormal. So they they uh, moved a few shows off the schedule, and I was one of them. It's it. It's unfortunate that that was the case, and that's that's been a um, a, a sore spot for for Lucy and myself too. That the the channel itself changed to a not so travel based travel channel. <laughs> yeah, you know, I. I don't understand that from a format perspective. I don't either. It's like when History Channel wasn't doing any history, but mm-hmm. I guess what's in the name? It's it's about being successful. Sure. And I think from what I understand from my friends still over there, that uh, it's, it's successful. They have more people watching this uh, than they did before. I mean, I think they have more eyeballs on it and sure. it's about ad revenue and things like that. I, I don't blame them. I'm not bitter. It's certainly off message, I suppose, off brand, but maybe mm-hmm. this is their brand now. They even went to TRVL, and I have nothing bad to say about Travel Channel. It was a great four years, and, and I'm very grateful. Yeah. Um, but they do have a lot more, uh, let's say, go shows than they used to. <laughs> and that is true. That is very true. It's hard to look through their, their programming schedule and, and not see it, but uh, it, it does kind of sound like you I'm have into a, a different kind of spirits, I guess, Perry. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we got there. Fine. <laughs> Speaking of spirits, why don't we move on to uh, the next pour? Yeah. Does that sound good by you? So sure, we'll, we'll sure. go with this, uh, this vintage Jim Beam, which I am very excited for you to try. This really? Came- From 1979? 1979. Yes, sir. Let's show that. Yeah. Uh- so, so this, uh, is, as, as you can see on the video, for those who are, who are watching the video, uh, it's an 11-year bottled and bond from Jim Beam. Uh, it, was deca- it was put in a decanter, uh, and it basically sat in that decanter from 1979 until Thursday of last week um, <laughs> when I dumped it from the bottle, uh, and it had not lost any of the bourbon to evaporation it was a perfect 750 mil fill level no uh, kidding clean, clear and as clean as could be uh, it just absolutely blew me away when i when i dumped it out and uh, it, it i i haven't had too many older beams of this age so when i say that i mean like dusty ones that have been 11 years and really of this proof so bottled and bond being 100 proof um, I, I, this was one of the first, one of the only ones that I've had, uh, at this proof point and at this age. So I, I'm, I'm curious to find out what your, your experience with this one is. Do you have, do you have many, much experience with uh, say vintage, uh, vintage whiskeys? Well, I, I suppose the greatest example of that would be when I was at the McAllen estate, uh, right. in, in Scotland. Right. I tried a, uh, a, a scotch. 
that uh, was, uh, I, 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 I don't want to call it, I don't know what the proper uh, terminology is, not a combination of, but a blend. A blend, of, yeah. Of scotches from 1941 to 1991. Oh my gosh. And that's it was, incredible. This is how incredible it was. Right before that, a six-liter decanter of the stuff went for six hundred fifty thousand dollars U.S. Something like that. <laughs> so they they gave me uh, a a shot of it. Sure. They weren't they weren't going to, but I became friendly with the guy who was in the scene with me, and he poured <laughs> it. And the executives all went like this. Ugh. So and I knew they were going to ask for it back because it's so expensive. So immediately. Right. Like, <laughs> I just touched my lips to it so we could still yeah. film, you know, and, um, but, oh my goodness, it was so great. Although at the end, I, I gotta say, I felt a little guilty. I mean, I swallowed a Buick. I mean, that's a lot of money <laughs> for, for that ounce, but, or what it was. Uh, but it, so as far as vintage, I guess that's my top story. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Th those experiences are so great too. getting to taste the, the whiskeys of old and getting to experience things that, you know, our, our ancestors were drinking there. Salute. Salute, sir. Well, that's a nice kick to it, huh? It does. It does. It's, uh, it, it's oaky, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's a little more, uh, is it sweeter? I mean, you could taste the oak, but it's. Uh, I, I think. I think because it, it is what it is. Um, although it although it's uh, spicy, um, it's it's what, like eighty percent corn or something like that. Um, I think doesn't I think it have gym, to be? It's it's got to be fifty one percent at least. That's to be bourbon. Yes, but I thought it. I thought it was uh, Kentucky straight. No, Kentucky straight means that it's at least two years old. Two. But I, I mean, I thought this was Kentucky straight and 80% because of uh, the uh, bottled and bond. No, no. So, so bottled and bond means that it's got to be four years old and a right. hundred proof. It doesn't have to do with the, the, the mash bill. Um, Jim beam, I think is 78% corn. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to look it up or fact check it. Um, but no, bottled and bonds at least four years old. Uh, one distilling season, a hundred proof. One distiller at one distillery, federally bonded warehouses. It, it's sure. the it's the the whole rigmarole that's a, that truly saved bourbon. Uh, yeah, I, someone I, was I telling me I was going to look it up here that um, this particular one, the old one, maybe they had one that was uh, sure. It was happened to be eighty percent um, bourbon, but in in any event, wow! I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing the <laughs> good stuff. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. This, uh, you know, was was kind of a surprise. A friend of mine sent this to me as a. As it's a certainly bourbon. more oaky than the it Elijah is. Craig. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's uh, you know eight eight or nine year old single barrel to an eleven year old uh, smaller blend. Uh, for for this bottle and bond product, sure but it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I mean, you st you still get some of the notes, but it's more oaky than it is vanilla or caramel. Right? Absolutely, absolutely, and that that spice kick at the back of your palate too. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, no, it punch, it's 
it punches well above than its weight. Elijah Craig, yes. for sure. Absolutely. That was that was a little softer. Mm-hmm. I agree. We got to you got to ease into the you know some of the higher proof stuff, of course. Or I like to at least. I like to at least. So uh, I, I want to talk to about the 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 end of your your run with booze traveler and the major life change that came yeah, for you for sure. shortly thereafter um as you were saying you, you'd been diagnosed with cancer you were having to undergo uh chemotherapy uh what in, initially what did your brain do i mean where was was it a, a total 180 for you in terms of well, things are completely different from here on out, or, or were you were you just ready to roll with the punches and see what was going to happen to you? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm that smart. I just said, okay, I got cancer. Let's get over and get back on the road. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I have to say, having done four seasons and seeing what life is like around the world, uh, the social differences, the economic differences, uh, religious differences, all of it, just the yeah. geographical. Uh, it, it, it was so much to take in, but mostly to see people who are much poorer than Americans, but generally speaking, very happy. Yeah. And so that really, it's like going to university for four years. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like at the end of it, I had graduated up in a sense that I had taken in so much of humanity that it really affected me. You know, I didn't get a diploma. It's not that I was so much smarter, but I felt that I took all these people with me. So when I was diagnosed with cancer, I immediately thought of all the situations around the world that I ran into where people were so just cool about whatever was going on with them because they knew that having a positive mindset and staying present in the moment, not worrying about the future, uh, not having fear of what might be, but handling what was going on right now, not living in the past. No, just right here. What's going on? We'll handle it. We'll live with it. And we still have each other at the end of the day. It was such a beautiful life lesson. So when I got cancer, I think it was almost automatic. I really didn't even think about it. I said, okay, I have cancer. I've seen a lot worse in the last four years with all these people. I mean, Obviously, we don't show all those sides. Oh, of, of course. Of course. Some of them we did, but some of the stories I, I got. Uh, and, you know, obviously, the uh, medical advancements that we have here aren't the same around the world. Some places there are, but sure. it's just they have it so much tougher than us. So for me to get cancer, knowing I had a doctor who's looking at it, and an oncologist is going to take care of me and recommend chemo when the time was right for it, I, I never felt scared honestly and it's not that i'm such a brave warrior i just knew i was going to be okay and i think it starts here being grateful for whatever it is in your life i mean i don't mean walking around with rose-colored glasses all the time saying everything was great yeah clearly cancer by its very name is trying to kill you so i i understood it's to be taken seriously I never called it a hoax. I never said it wasn't <laughs> real. I never did the opposite of what the doctors told me to do. I wanted to take care of it, but I just knew I'd get over it. And I almost felt guilty. I had survivor's remorse because non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, at least for me, 
felt like starter cancer. And that's not to demean anyone who ever gets of course, it. Of course. I just had an easier trip. But it really uh, came from everything I learned around the world. And I, I, I don't mean to be all esoteric about it. Mm, but I no, think that my experiences in those four years prepared me for something like this and helped me get past it. I think it's 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 totally acceptable to 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 look at it through the lens of my goodness this is where all of my experiences have kind of led me to you know have this mindset i don't think that there's anything wrong with getting esoteric about it or <laughs> being able to have the wherewithal to say you know I, I i know what my battle is and i know what the battle of others can be so i i i applaud you for that i think that's a, a really beautiful way of of looking at it and and you know it, it's great to definitely see you on the other side of that too i mean th there's there's so many different facets in our lives that become part of our stories and to to be able to to sit down with you and, and share bourbon and and hear that part of your story all I can do is say cheers to you, my friend, because that's oh. that's uh, quite wonderful. Absolutely. Cheers, cheers, cheers to you. Cheers to you. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to I don't want to dwell too much on the, you know, the, the cancer side of. Oh, we can talk about whatever you want to. It's your show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. I do want to touch on something, though, that you, you were saying um, about not not showing all sides of the of the the folks that you met of the communities that you met i would love to see the the booze traveler behind the scenes or yeah. or a, or you know a, a book written about it too is that something that's in your in your future do you think i suppose if there was enough interest uh, i i would do that you know i get a lot of requests for a coffee table book because of, oh sure you know, but I, I think with the internet now, you could you could surf the internet and get much greater photos, you know, really touched up, nice filtered photos. But mine would come with the stories that that of course occurred exactly. within that the picture. And and I suppose if I was smart, I would have had someone filming at least on my phone, a kind of a behind the scenes thing. You know, sure. I think that would be nice to have now. But the show is nice to have. I mean, I can go back and look at any <laughs> any any of the episodes. But, you know, there's this one story that would have been a real, tons of stories that would have been great. But one came to mind when I was talking about how people around the world are poor. We were in South Africa and we were filming with Zulus. Oh, wow. And it was great. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, about, I don't know, maybe 100 yards from where we were filming, 50 yards. But there's a little kid and he had uh, a soccer ball and a dog. But the soccer ball was kind of flat, mm -hmm. but he was still kicking it around and petting his dog and then kicking them. And it, it just was fascinating to me. So I went down and was talking to him. I, I asked somebody to come with me so they could translate. And uh, he was so joyful and he was smiling. It was just really great. And he was dressed like we were dressed. He wasn't in the traditional um, Zulu attire. Right. Uh, that's mostly ceremonial at, anyway nowadays, at least where I was. Sure. And, and there was the rows and rows of corrugated tin shacks where they mm. lived. And I felt so badly 
for that because it gets so hot and you know a lot of people are crammed in there but this this for me but what do i know they they have found joy in their situation and they have a wonderful sense of community at least these people i met i'm i'm not trying to undermine what they're going through and trivialize yeah. it yeah yeah, uh, yeah i mean it's it's Hey, I grew up in the projects. We were all jammed up together too. <laughs> Not as bad as corrugated tin shacks, sure. but at least I understood that you had people around so you could socialize. Of course, then you had to get along right. with those people. Right. But, <laughs> but they were they were joyful. The, the the Zulus we were filming with, but the the little kid, I'll never forget this. At the end of the conversation, because I felt badly for him and his family and the situation. I just wanted to do something, but I had to get back to film, right? Yeah, so right. it was, we had a little break. Maybe they were changing the battery in the camera or resetting the scene or whatever it was. And uh, so I gave him some Rand, which is the money there, mm -hmm. right? Used to be Kruger Rand. Now it's just called Rand. Right, right. And it was maybe equivalent to, I don't know, 20 bucks US or something like that. I thought maybe he could buy a new soccer ball. That's the first thing I would have done with it. Or, <laughs> Or giving it to his folks, or I don't know, whatever he wanted to do, feed his dog, or I don't know. Right. And he looked at me with all the wisdom that a six or seven year old kid can have that I will never have, and said to the translator, Tell the nice man I don't need this because I have my dog and my ball. Oh. Just, it's just heart wrenching to think that our values are such that. I took pity on him. He took pity on me. Yeah. He'd yeah. rather I keep the money because I didn't have a dog or a ball. And I, he's probably used to that flat ball. Maybe I'm he sure. had that his whole life. It could have been his favorite ball. That's right. It was certainly his favorite dog. They were buddies and they were jumping around and he was so happy and he was laughing. But then in, in, just in this moment at the end, he was stoic and serious and so sincere. And, and you would think I'd be making it up, you know, I mean, but I, I wouldn't no, do of course that not. because of course not. It, it, it would dishonor these people to try to embellish, to try to make it sound more interesting, which I, I just didn't have to do. And if you saw the show, you saw that th this, this world is such a big, wide, wonderful place with plenty of Absolutely. interesting people. They don't need me to, uh, to be the drama tour of their lives. For, for as much alcohol as we can consume a moment like that is awfully sobering I mean, absolutely my friend truly i mean that that is that would be the moment where you just you you stop and you look around and you just brought right back down and and absolutely it, it, it it'll 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 kick you kick you in the gut pretty quickly and make you i'll never forget it absolutely of course whoof where do we go from there, Jack? That's a yeah. That's a showstopper of a. If I was a better storyteller, I would have saved that for the end. <laughs> we still well, have more bourbon to drink. We, we do still have more bourbon. Would you like to move on to the to the next one? Have you finished your Jim Beam? It's up to you. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's kick it up Oof, a couple notches to this uh, this Stag Junior at one hundred and thirty point two proof. This is the uh, this is the newest release. This is batch fourteen. It just came out. Um, hundred thirty point two. Hundred thirty point two. So strip the varnish. <laughs> this is 
This is a uh, stag junior is always one of my favorite releases that, uh, that comes out from Buffalo trace each year. Um, e- each batch is usually, uh, at this, this higher proof. I mean, normally you're not seeing anything below about 120, 125. The highest I think it's ever gotten to really has been about 140, 145. Um, but it, it's been consistently good. It's been a consistent crowd pleaser. But it, uh, but it's not over. new. Is it eight years? This is about eight or nine years old. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like white lightning. I mean, exactly. It's, it's not the it's not the moonshine that you had earlier. Right. <laughs> but this I just is like a, to look at it. It's so beautifully golden. Oh, absolutely. It's got that really rich amber color to it. The the yeah. legs on it are even you know nice and nice and slow to to drip down the glass. I mean, it's just it's one of those best values in bourbon when you can find it. It's one of the more decadent uh, releases in bourbon. And it's only like $65 a bottle. Wow. Yeah. So if, if folks Here, can. Here's to, uh, here's to affordable bourbon, my friend. <laughs> Cheers, indeed. Cheers. <laughs> oh, I'm going back for more. That's nice. Oh, that's, yes. Doesn't drink like 130 proof up front. I was just going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was bracing myself. For when you know something's coming at you, you know? Like, <laughs> You're strapping like I, in. <laughs> I, I was bracing for that punch. I knew I was going to get hit. But it was, uh, it was, it, it, it didn't feel like 130. I mean, I've no. had, I've had at least a dozen times that proof and higher yeah. on the show itself, never mind in real life. <laughs> but that, uh, that, it surprises you. It really that, that's I, surprising. Yeah, it's it's milder than 130 I thought would be. I have this this theory and it's not been proven by by anybody who knows more about distilling than than I do, but it's something I've been floating around over the past couple of years. I fully believe that higher proof bourbon has less of a burn than watered down lower proof ones do. Why? I think that I I don't know what it I think it has something to do with the chemical interaction of uh, the the water being introduced to this this concoction. I think that there's something that causes an abrasiveness with the 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 bourbon molecules. Um it, it and again, it's nothing that I have scientific proof behind. It's totally me postulating, but in in my experience, I've had you know, definitely at least a couple dozen times bourbons of this proof or higher. Um, anything in the 120 proof range kind of is like a, a good nightcap in some regards as well. And and they always seem to be an easier sipper and, and, and have more balance and flavor than lower proof bourbons do. And I think that that can even be associated with rye as well maybe not to as much of an extent just because rye is going to have more of an abrasive flavor more kick to it more punch to it because of its its nature in general but i I think that bourbon for whatever reason when water is introduced you're not getting as pure of an experience as you would have if it came straight out of the barrel it's something that i i want to 
explore a little bit more and, and, you know, talk to a master distiller about and see if there is some truth behind it. But, and I wonder if the aging process uh, in the barrel has anything to do with that, because I've had corn moonshine, much like yours, that has plenty of burn. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, that really, that really uh, lights your throat on fire. Sure. Um, so I, I, I wonder why, because, or now on the other hand, uh, I don't know if it's been the cumulative effect of drinking all these, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's certainly longer than the other ones. Like the, uh, the, the, the burn stays and even comes back a little bit, although it's not unpleasant. Sure. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not as short as the other ones. I guess that again, that's the vapors and the alcohol and everything right. else doing we, its job on your trachea. We, we call that the Kentucky hug. Kentucky when, hug. Yeah. When it, when there's a nice long finish that hangs out in your chest and yeah. kind of gives you that, that warming feeling that's the best during, uh, during the, the colder, the colder months, because yeah. you know, that's it's, what it was like 114 today in Phoenix. So I don't know about the, uh, I don't know if that I need that. We got up to 85 here today. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was it. It was, it was a longer, uh, finish yeah. burn wise. Yeah. Uh, and it, and it stuck around to, just to, uh, maybe it hurt us talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it wanted to come back with a vengeance. That's it. That's it. <laughs> So I, I want to kind of ask you some, some more quick fire questions here too. Sure, got, got, a, got a few uh, things that I'm curious about. I uh, best bourbon that you've had. Oh, you know, I've had, uh, I had a, a four roses uh, cask that was, uh, that won some awards. Yeah. Uh, that was really nice. I had that down in uh, Florida of all places. Uh -huh. Um, you know, we've all had the, the, the pappies and the Woodford reserves and this and that, uh, uh, Sazerac, I worked with them. They sent me some Buffalo trace. Uh, I actually wrote an article for them. They had this, uh, uh, special release, yeah. uh, made in Mongolian Oak actually aged in Mongolian Oak. Right. And right. I'd been there. They asked me to write for them. Um, uh, you know, again, being a connoisseur, but not an expert, I couldn't sit on a panel and say, <laughs> this one is clearly the best one. I, I think for me, it's always been experiential. I wouldn't sit by myself, generally speaking, and have a drink, although I have been known to do that. But I think who you're with and what you're doing just makes it taste better. So I could have a cheaper bourbon with friends having a good time that tastes better to me than a hundred or hundred and fifty dollar bottle of bourbon, honestly, and and it's maybe it's because it's my uh, my lack of expertise, but I would much rather enjoy the experience and not worry about it. You know, it's a funny of lesson course. too. I learned about that in Scotland with that guy who poured me that that really expensive scotch. Real down earth guy. He started out in the barrel room thirty years prior. Great guy named Bob. He's not there anymore, although he's still with us. He's still gotcha. Around. Yeah, yeah. But um, worked his way up thirty years to become the uh, chief distiller, and he would go to bar rooms around the area or wherever he was, and watch people drink scotch and see right. these pretentious people say, "Oh yes, a hints of." wet leather and dried cherries and he'd say <laughs> bullshit i make this stuff none of that's in there because a guy's trying to impress a girl because i didn't know how to describe the experience and he said just tell me what you're feeling so yeah. i closed my eyes and 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 it, it's it just felt like walking through 
a quiet forest uh, that through the remnants of what was a forest fire and the animals started to come back oh my uh, because it was smoky but crisp as well. And, and he said, that's the experience of scotch right there. So going back to your bourbon question, <laughs> the, the best bourbon I had was always with the people I was having the best time with. That's I, I love that. This is sparking so many different things in my brain that I have to bring up because when when you when you start getting into conversations about the bourbon world with people, then you go, "Well, what about this guy? What about this person? And have you met them? Or do you know about them?" And like, they're, they're, on one end of the spectrum, I'm thinking of my friend Fred Minnick, who is a, a, a whiskey writer. He used to uh, write for Whiskey Advocate. He has his own magazine now. It's called Bourbon Plus. Uh, fabulous author. He is the tasting note king. So he would absolutely break down a, a bourbon and, and drink you under the table in terms of flavor notes. Uh, but then on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's Jimmy Russell, who is one of the head to master distillers, excuse me, at Wild Turkey. And he, he's been there for, what is it, 60 years now? Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And his son, Eddie, has been there for just over 40. And there, there's this story of, of Jimmy being at a at a tasting for for Wild Turkey, and the leader of the tasting's up front with this group of people, and he's going, "You can get notes of maple syrup, and you can find the the dry cherries, and you know some cardamom or or whatever in it." And and Jimmy's in the back of the room laughing, and uh, Dave Pickerel, who was uh, the master distiller for Whistle Pig, was sitting next to him, and he looks at Jimmy and he goes, "What's so funny?" And Jimmy goes, well, I didn't put any of that shit in my bourbon. And, <laughs> and there's just two guys in the back of the room just cackling. And the entire tasting room is just turning around going, who's doing that back there? <laughs> I really never understood the, uh, I mean, you don't get points for identifying what's in there. If you taste it, you say it. Great. Because yeah. by the way, everybody has a different palate. Absolutely. So, so you might taste banana. And someone else tastes cherry. Oh, yeah. Although it, it's hard to believe that. But everyone's afraid of guessing wrong or saying it's this, it's that. What what you taste, what you have, how you enjoy it is more important than what's in it to me. Exactly. Or, or exactly. what you get from it. Now, if, if you try to pretend you're an expert and you call it wrong, well, then you're going to be called out. <laughs> for me, it's much more about the experience, the adventure, and the time that I'm having than than trying to identify the notes. You know, yeah. if it was a quiz show and I had to do that to win money, maybe I'd get better at it. But for me, <laughs> just developing my palate by drinking it, uh, and but also staying present about not so much what went into the bottle, but what's going into the moment I'm having now with the people Absolutely. I'm enjoying is much more important for me. Have, have you watched um, Neat, The Story of Bourbon? No. It's a It's a documentary that came out in... 2017, I believe you can find it on iTunes or, or movies anywhere or whatever. Um, it is a beautifully shot story uh, of of the history of bourbon. I'll, I'll send you a, a link uh, to it later, um, just as a reminder. But it, it's it's an absolutely wonderful story. There are some incredible folks uh, that that talk about their their experience with bourbon. What was that face you just made? <laughs> oh, that one was just 
nice just the way <laughs> it hit you know it's it's funny too because there was a little bit uh left you know mm-hmm. and i only took some of of what was left sometimes it's not only the right bourbon but the right amount absolutely you know absolutely 100% and i took agree. enough where i just thought this is going to be good in that amount and and it was so that was a just a joyful expression of Mm, nailed that one. That was good. And I never understood people who wanted to do shots, even tequila, which is coming into its own. And Absolutely. I know this is a bourbon show. No, no, no. Well, please. The stereotype is same with rye, an old West town. Bartender slides it down. You do a shot and tequila. How many times did we, you know, we do that? Uh, one tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor. It's not about that. It has so many notes. And for me, I'm really getting into mezcal. It's much more artisanal. Interesting. And, and I like the smokiness of it over over tequila. But I think alcohol, so much goes into the making of a good alcohol. It should be sipped and enjoyed it should be at whatever amount you want to take it in. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you messing with uh, with cocktails much now, too, during, uh, during oh, yeah. quarantine? Yeah. I was Are doing you, a show on Sundays. I'm on hiatus now called Jack's Place, Sunday right, night virtual cocktail hour. Yeah. And I'd have a drink and everyone else would have their drink and they'd say what they were having. And I, I really appreciate the art of mixology. I'm not a great bartender by any means, but I love what goes into that. It was a place in Athens called Momix. Okay. Molecular mixology. And I've, right. there's probably 20 or 30 I've been to around the world like that where so much goes into the, the craft of, of making the, the drink, not just going like this with bottles. And it's really appreciated. You know, I went to a place called Bar High Five in Tokyo, a guy named Mr. Wayno, who picks out his own ice, always wears a suit, doesn't drink alcohol, named the world's best bartender, I think more than once. And he just made me two of the greatest cocktails I've ever had because he knows scientifically, but also artistically, Right. How to make a cocktail. It makes it with so much love. So I really appreciate that. I can't do what these great bartenders <laughs> around the world do. But me for me, uh, I, I love cocktails. That's If I had to have one thing, it would be a cocktail. As a, Sometimes a beer is refreshing, hot summer day, yeah. wine with meals, uh, a spirit straight up like a true cocktail, how it was back in the day with water, ice, water, uh, spirits, and um little bit of bitters or something like that sure. you know that's what it started out as now it's really kind of a punch you could say with all the stuff in it but i <laughs> love trying different things and i experiment myself i mean to be innovative to use what you like i can't believe people blanch when you do something a little bit differently how do you think things happen you because gotta experiment someone alters this or that <laughs> like for me I, I like I like mine generally on the rocks. I think it releases sure. some of the some of the flavors, and I, I I like that sensation without making it too cold. I try to use a a round ice cube so it doesn't melt, you know, as much. A nice big round one, absolutely. But there are purists that would you know fall over in shock that I do that. But I don't <laughs> care. It's for me. I'm drinking for me, not for them. Next care care package I send you, I'll send some my uh, some favorite cocktail mixers. Oh, I, I, as well. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much yeah, for this. I'll, I'll be drinking these over the next couple of nights and telling people the story, <laughs> too. By the way, uh, I'm not doing the shows anymore. Yes. But uh, I'm always doing things on social media. If yes, anybody wants are, to yeah. find me, I'm at Southie Jack on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And Southie is my old neighborhood, but it's spelled S-O-U 
S-O-U-T-H-I-E-I-N-C. Southie Inc. at a, uh, uh, not at AOL. Interesting. Southie Inc. <laughs> Excuse me. That's my, I'm sorry, that's my email address. Southie Jack is what I go by. S-O-U-T-H-I-E-J-A-C-K on Twitter and Instagram. You need me to bleep out your email address? Oh, I don't care. So what? If you want to write me, I'll write back to you. Doesn't matter. You're very responsive via email. I mean, you you have been very quick to get back with me as well. So why wouldn't I? I never understood that. You know, it's real funny because I was started out 20 plus years ago acting and uh, hosting keeps coming around. But primarily, I would say I've spent more time being an actor than a host. But I never understood, even in circles that I would run in, uh, you know, people when they ascended, when they were the ping pong balls that were that were drawn out for the lottery. <laughs> Very few, by the way, but some of them, they, they, they act so differently. Sure. Now that they've made it. And again, very few. I could count on one hand of all the people I met in the 20 plus years. But I never understood that because someone is on television or has money or is in a movie with someone famous or a play with someone famous, that they, they all of a sudden treat others less than. I could never understand that at all. So when you reached out and you said, hey, I, I'm a bourbon guy, you wanna do a podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> and the fact that I was able to to send you stuff too, to, to try. Oh, that, and, that was a plus, but I would have done it anyway. <laughs> Look, man, like I was saying, we are hospitable to a fault in the South. And I wanted to make sure that you had something that, that we could enjoy together. These were things that I had been enjoying recently as well and thinking about. And Oh, it's a great know, idea. Is, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, in the future, I'll send you some more stuff. I mean, why the why the heck not? If there's something that uh, I want you to want you to experience, you have my address. I do indeed. <laughs> you know where to find me, and I guess you know where to find me too now. So, right. hey, Jack Maxwell, uh, you have been a, a wonderful guest on the show. Thank you so much uh, for hanging out with me for for a bit. Sipping on some great bourbons, ex- talking about your your experiences, not just with Booze Traveler, but just your your story as a person. I really do appreciate you, man. Th- this has been a, a great time, and I hope to be able to sit down with you in person once uh, once things clear up, and maybe we'll get to actually share a, share a couple of drinks together. And some more yeah. stories that would be great. And it was some uh, more stories. It was indeed. a real pleasure, Perry. I mean. You uh, you love bourbon and you're a great host and it's uh, it was it was a, it was a pleasure being with you. Thanks well, for thank, having me. Absolutely, Jack. Thank and you. And thanks so for much. all the good bourbon. Oh, hey man, and and as I said too, more to come. <laughs> great. Talk to you soon. You Bye-bye. too, buddy. So once again, I just I cannot say thank you enough to Jack for for hopping on the show with me. Um, I was super happy that I got to send him samples and and food and and whatnot for him to try and uh it was just it was a really special time really special interview so mm-hmm. i yeah i think that does it for the for the interview swan how about some tips and bits oh man so for anybody who's new to the show this is where we recommend things for people to watch listen to try it's not always bourbon uh sometimes it's you know music or yeah. an, or another podcast or something like that. I've got a good amount of tips and bits this week. I'm gonna save them. It's a good yeah. It's a good thing we're banking a bunch of episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever watched The Good Place? Oh, of course. I finally watched it. Oh, really? Yes. I haven't finished the last season yet. 
So I will say that like you get probably about three or four episodes in, and it's kind of just like The Office and Parks and Rec, where you're like halfway through the first season, you're like, man, this is a time investment that is not paying off. <laughs> and then the twist. The twist. The twist. And then it is just this wonderful display of confusion for like mm-hmm. three seasons. And, I mean, it's 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 a really fun show. Um, honestly, the, you just. It's like the other two that I mentioned. It's all about character development for that first little bit, and then after that, it's just an explosion of comedy and ridiculousness. Yeah. It's definitely worth watching. Absolutely. I Just speaking of things that we watched, we watched for the first time uh, Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, with Andy Samberg. It's a Lonely Island movie. I've never seen it. Dude. I need to. That sounds it's great. phenomenal. It's a mockumentary kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And I expected nothing less from Andy Samberg. It's bonkers, but it is so fun. I mean, it is Andy Samberg at the top of his, you know, Andy Samberg-ness. And it's it's beautiful. It's so, so good. So the whole mockumentary is just Cool Beans level Andy Samberg? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's about that. Okay. I and if you know if you're a fan of Hot Rod and the other work that he's done, you're absolutely gonna love this movie. Oh yeah, I th- I thought he was brilliant in it. And actually, I'll I'll go ahead and throw this one in the mix too because uh, it it fits. We right after we watched uh, Pop Star, we watched uh, Palm Springs, which is the movie that he did uh, that was released on Hulu with Kristen Milioti, who was the mother on How I Met Your Mother. And by the way. She is not given enough credit for her acting chops. Mm-hmm. She is phenomenal. I legitimately, she did not get the the amount of time that she deserved on How I Met Your Mother. That's a whole different conversation. But I, I she she is a powerhouse in that in that movie and delivers just an incredible performance. Do you know anything about the movie? No. So basically, what happens is it, it's it's kind of a Groundhog Day uh, ripoff. Mm-hmm. Where it's just the same day on a loop, and um, they're they're constantly having to start this. Uh, her sister's getting married, so it's the same wedding day over and over and over again. Yeah, and uh, they're trying to figure out how to make it stop. It's got a little bit more um, behind it. I feel like it has a little bit more gravitas to it, uh, and a little bit more reason to it than Groundhog Day did. You know, and I like Groundhog Day. It's not a bad movie by any means i think that's no they set the premise (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah and and people are allowed to expound on it or do what they wish at any point but it's a it's it's a lot of fun i i enjoyed it quite a bit so that's it that's this week's show that's it man (laughs) we uh that that basically took us a whole 15 minutes to record yeah it's not bad at all Well, thank you all so much for listening this week, as you always do, or as you might have just started. We really do appreciate it. Swan, where can people find you on social media? I'm at MyBourbonFinder on Instagram and Facebook. I had to think about that for a second. (laughs) I've not even had that much to drink. Maybe I need more to drink when I do this. There we go. There we go. Well, if you want to follow me personally, I am at PRitter1492 on all social media channels. You can find the show itself at MyBourbonPod. On Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you can leave us a five-star rating and review 
I said that weird, review (laughs) on the iTunes podcast app, or really wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you do just that, we'll read them out here on the show, because we really do appreciate everybody who leaves us a nice little review. And this week, we don't have a new review. So hopefully next week, uh, if you guys are able to, please drop one. And we'll definitely read it out on the show. You can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com. We have new things up there at the moment, such as masks. So if you want a a logo uh, of the podcast, the podcast logo on a mask, or any of our other designs... Uh, you can find them, once again, at bourbonshop.threadless.com. I'm trying to get some uh, some glassware worked up as well. I know I keep talking about it, but we're going to find a way to make that happen. Be there so. eventually. <laughs> One day. Hey, I also go live every uh, Thursday evening at youtube.com slash thismybourbonpodcast uh, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Swan, you were actually on last week's uh, live stream. I was. I also went live by accident on my account today. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even get a notification. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> I didn't. I was making tacos and. And it was <laughs> just sitting there? Yeah, I signed back in, made sure everything was still going good, and then I accidentally hit the live button. It was you? live for a whole five seconds, and I shut it down. Had uh, one viewer. <laughs> Lucky them. Did you leave it up on uh, on your page? No, oh, okay. absolutely no, not. No, that's a shame. That's a real shame. <laughs> you can also become a part of our Facebook group. You just head to Facebook.com and search for This Is My Bourbon Group. Just a couple of questions for you to answer, and you can become a part of a really great community. That's where we ask uh, our listeners of the show for questions for our Patreon pregame chats, uh, which drop every Tuesday before the main episode comes out on Wednesday. And that's also where you can find The Last Call, which let me tell you, is a heck of a good time. I mean, I just played Swan the uh, the, the final edited version of the uh, of the last call from a couple weeks ago. If you ever need an example of somebody having too much fun with something, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but it's enough fun to where it seems worth oh, it, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that I am really enjoying doing. And speaking of Patreon, you can become a supporter of the show at patreon.com slash mybourbonpodcast for as little as a dollar a month. And for as little as $5 a month, that's where you will find all the bonus content like those pregame chats and the last call. Swan, why don't we thank one of our patrons this week? Yeah, who we got this week? Well, this week, if I can get my throat cleared uh, properly, we are going to be thanking Anthony Ratcliffe who is at that $5 uh, level where he gets all the the bonus content. He's been a supporter of the show since 2018. Anthony, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. And everybody, of course, who helps helps keep the show going. Uh, It it really does. Warm our our little hearts, one of which is a bird heart. Yeah. (laughs) You you were not prepared for that. Not not prepared. (laughs) Not prepared. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Next week, who's to say? I don't know yet. I'm flying by the seat of my pants at this point. We're uh, winging it. Ah, <laughs> ah, I get it. I get what you did. All Applause right. for Swan. So proud of myself. Yeah, well, on that note, we will see you next week. But until then, I'm Perry. And I'm Swan. And this is my bourbon podcast. Podcast.